cake, the call, and the question. The eulogy of Beatrice Ingram. If you would bow your heads just for a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that today you take control of my mind, my spirit, my very thoughts. Let every breath that I shall breathe, every word that I shall speak be of you and from you. I pray you open the hearts and minds of the people that they shall receive upon this day that which you have to speak. In thy son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I preached a lot of eulogies, and I'll be honest with you. I've never teared up. And I know better. I know better. Dr. Foster, I first of all, I, I thank you for allowing me the honor to stand here in this historic church. And I am going to do my absolute best to be as obedient as I can to the Word of God. And I, I somehow feel I, I fall short of you, Dr. Foster, because I'm a stubborn Negro. And I have a hard time following what God says to do on many occasions. But, but today, God, he, he spoke for me to just talk about three things. The cake. The call. And the question. Okay, okay, okay. And I want to deal with each one of those things in relation to Beatrice Ingram because the reason that I teared up on this eulogy, it's personal, but I know better. She cooked me a cake every year for my birthday. Okay, okay. I'm born on New Year's Eve. And every year she would contact me, she and her sister, Marion Council, and they would, they would make it a point to make sure that they delivered this cake. And to be perfectly honest, I tried to stop it. <laughs> and the reason that I tried to stop it, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of health-oriented, and it's a, it's a German chocolate cake. She baked me a German chocolate cake every year. And, 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 and I don't, you know, I don't know whether any of you all can relate to this. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. But I have a hard time controlling some of my appetites. <laughs> and I know from a scientific perspective, a German chocolate cake is just not like eating an apple. That thing is rich, it's loaded with sugar, it's got all this caramel in it, all of this stuff in it, but it's so good. And I said, I said, look, don't bake me any more cake because I don't have diabetes, but I don't want diabetes. So I said, can you just not prepare me this cake? And she just wouldn't listen. Every year, she brought me this German chocolate cake. And I did my best to deal with it. And I remember, I've always had sensitive skin. I can eat something and I will break out with a pimple even now. Skin is just sensitive. I said, Lord, this cake, is, whoo, this cake is, I'm going to break out. I'm going to look like a teenager by the time I get through. 
And I remember one year she brought me a cake. And that cake was gone in two days. I ate the whole thing. And I had it in my office and I would eat a slice. And an hour later, I'd go back and get another slice and another slice. And at the end of the first day, half of the cake was gone. By the end of the second day, there was nothing but crumbs left in the cake bowl. And, and the, the, But this is the unusual thing about that cake. I had no bumps. My skin was just as... And I'm, I'm sitting here... My college major was chemistry, so I'm, I'm sitting here trying to understand how is it that this rich, sugary cake, how is it that I can eat this whole thing in two days and my skin is just as smooth, my stomach feels good, I have no after, I said, how can this be? I know this thing is not good for me, how can this be? And, and it took me a minute to understand the power of food prepared with love. It, it makes a difference. And, and even though she was a phenomenal cook, I've, I've had good food and every other piece of good German chocolate cake that I've had, it always, it always would bump up my skin if I ate too much. There was something different about this. It is the power of love. And if you can understand and get the power of love in your life, she put the power of love and it went in that cake and it went in me and somehow it did not negatively affect me. God is love and there's a power that you can infuse. So, so ladies who are married, you can bless or mess your husband just by the, by the emotion that you put in the food. It, it makes a difference. I had assistants who I would have prepare my food during the day. And some of them, when the attitude was, I couldn't eat the food. There was, I had the same recipe, but some, I couldn't eat the food. There is a power of emotion and spirit that transfers so if you're cooking for your man, make sure you cook that food with love because it makes a difference. Now, if you want to kill him, that's a different recipe. But every year she prepared the cake with the power of love. And so many of you, you have eaten her food and you have felt that love that was infused and transfused into that food. The cake. The call. Death is a peculiar thing. Mary and I understand the loss of a sibling because I have lost a brother. My brother Darrell, who was the fourth son of my father's He's the third son of my father's six sons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And at 38 years old, he died of a sudden attack. My, my, my. I remember the day. I remember back in the day we had pages. And I remember the 911 that was on my pager. And I went to the hospital. It was a Sunday morning. I was due to preach in just a few hours. And I walked into the emergency room and sat down and I saw the doctors come out shaking their heads and I knew from them shaking their heads what it meant. It was so sudden. 
He was so young. He was so vibrant. It was unbelievable. And I hear God speak. I want you to spend 24 hours with your brother Darrell. But he was dead. And my youngest brother James and I went to sell a brother's funeral home. We had his body. And I stayed in that funeral home, in that room with a dead body, 24 hours. And I don't know whether any of you all ever spend any time in a room at night with a dead body, but it ain't the most pleasant thing. <laughs> and I was sitting there and said, Lord, you sure about this? Said, I don't know about this. But I, but I felt God had sent me to that funeral home to resurrect and to raise my brother up. And I, I laid hands on him over and over and over And I called out to him, Daryl, come back, come back, come back. It's the most traumatic experience I'd ever experienced. I'd lost a father and a grandfather and a grandmother, but that was not unexpected. It's different when they're young and vibrant and it just hits out of the blue. Whole different ballgame. And I'm there in the funeral home all night calling out, Daryl, come back, come back. Laying on them hands. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, darkness all around, creepy stuff in this funeral alone. And I hear his voice. And I hear his voice. And he said, I don't want to come back. It's a hundred times better over here. And I told my brother James, I said, James, I just heard Daryl's voice. And, and he said, he says, he doesn't want to come back. He says, a hundred times better over there. And he said, well, well how do you know that's Daryl? I said, well, I don't. It sound like him, but I don't know. He said, ask him something that only he would know. So I said, Daryl, I said, tell me something only you would know. And he said, a red rose on the river. I said, what in the world is that? So I stayed there all night, left after 24 hours. The next day I called his wife. I said, Jane, I said, does does the phrase a red rose on the river mean anything to you? She said, yes. She says, we have an abstract painting in the foyer of our house. And it is a red rose on the river, but you can't tell it by looking at it. And only Daryl and I knew what it meant. And when she told me that it sent a chill. Now see, it didn't prove that it was him, but it did prove it wasn't me. (laughs) But when I left out of that funeral home, I was changed. Because now I believed that it's a hundred times better on the other side. See, I, I preached eulogies before. I, I knew the scripture, but it's different. That's it, that's it. It's different when you experience something in your gut. It's different. That's it, that's you can read it all day long. And, and I understand what Jesus said. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. I'm a stubborn Negro. A left brain logical chemist scientist. I needed some proof. I am the type 
I, I don't believe stuff just on faith. It took a lot to convince me. But when I walked out of that funeral home and from that day forward, I never feared death. And that's why, that's why I said even I, I teared up, but I know better. Because my brother told me. The Bible tells you, but my brother told me. And he said it's a hundred times better over here. And he had a great life. He had a pretty wife. He had a fancy house. He had a fancy car. He wore fancy clothes. He was good looking. He was what you all would call a cool daddy. He had a great life. But he said it's a hundred times better over here. And I've never forgotten it. It's like it was yesterday. And I can hear his voice. And from that point on, not only did I not fear death, I felt like the disciples who said, I'd rather go head on and be with Jesus. But for your sake, I stay. I believe I got a reward on the other side that is a hundred times better than he. And I believe it from my soul. It's in the Bible. But sometimes when you read this stuff, Versus when you live it, it's different. When you you, you can read all the romance novels you want to. It's different when you fall in love. You can read about somebody else's broken heart all you want. It's different when your heart broke. But when you feel it, when you know, and no one, once you have experienced it, no one can tell you it's not so. It's a hundred Times better over here. That, that's why I said, I know better. I know she's in a better place. I know better. I have no question in my mind whatsoever. The cake, the call when I called out to my brother, I don't want to come back. It's a hundred times better over here. And the question. The question is actually from a movie. I was flying back from spending a month in the Philippines. It's a long 14-hour flight. They have movies. I scrolled through the movies and I saw a movie, Meet Joe Black. It's an old movie, 20-something years old, starring... Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins. And it's a story about Brad Pitt who plays death. Anthony Hopkins plays this wealthy businessman, but he's lived a a great and a very honorable life. And and death comes to him and says, you're going to die. But I want to experience some things and I want to look at your life. And I'm going to extend your life a little while longer while I experience life here on this earth. And at the end of the movie, when death was getting ready to take Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins turned to death and he he asked him, he said, should I be afraid? And death's answer to him was, not a man like you. And I say about Beatrice, should she have been afraid? Not a woman like her. Not a woman like her. But, but the question I ask you, 
Because one thing is certain. See, he actually played an IRS agent because he said two things that are certain, death and taxes. Taxes are not certain. All right, all right. All right. Taxes are not certain. Because the very poor and the very rich avoid taxes. Taxes are not certain. But death sure is. You, and this may be a buzz killer, and it may be news to some of you, but you are going to die. That's it, that's it, that's it. You are going to die. Now, now I believe that I've got a long time left. I was... I was on a motorcycle. I was in South Carolina on a, on a bike ride. And I'm driving along this country road on my motorcycle and I hear God speak. You're at the halfway point of life. And your second half is going to be much better and more fulfilled than the first half. Okay. And I pull over and say, wait a minute, halfway? Lord, I'm 58. If I'm at the halfway, that's 116. I said, good grief. I don't know about that. That's a long time. And then I was at an event and a prophetess came up to me and she says, you're going to live a long time. She said, 80, 90, 100, 110, 120. I said, no, 116. <laughs> and, and I literally have an app on my phone that's a countdown timer. Okay. It counts down how long I got. I got 49 years, two months, and 18 days left. <laughs> but even, even making it to 116, to be honest, I don't care about that. You say, why? Why why wouldn't you want to live in one? Because I believe in my soul that it's a hundred times better over there. And I'm going there. So so that's like like me staying in a two-star hotel and I got a ten-star hotel waiting. I don't don't really have a whole lot of really desire. That's why I can understand the disciples. I'd rather go ahead on and be with Jesus. But for your sake, I stay. I got stuff and mission to do in the earth. And I got to finish that, but I have no great desire for this earth because it's like the psalmist said, this life is filled with pain and sorrow. Uh, Now, I don't particularly fully agree with that, but that was the king talking because it ain't filled. It's got pain and sorrow, but it's not filled with it. It's got a lot of joy in it, too. But this life has some trouble. It's got trouble on every single end. You got financial troubles, and even the people who don't have financial trouble, the richest man in the world. The richest man in the world. He got, I think, about nine or ten children. He got a pile of baby mama drama. He got issues with his dad. He got all kinds of stuff going on. So even all the money in the world, sometimes you still got stuff. This life got stuff. And it is filled with stuff from birth to death. So I'm not overly just overly pleased about staying here because I believe it's a hundred times better over there. But I also believe the corollary of that. It's a hundred times better on the upside, but it's a hundred times worse on the downside. So you can't accept one without accepting the other. And you got to make sure. How do I make sure? That, that's why the question, should I? Be afraid? And what is your answer to that question? Because you are going to die. 
And there are several matrices of questions and answers that you may filter through. Is there a God? And if there is a God, is there afterlife? And is there afterlife? How do I get there? Which side? You go through all this stuff. But I'm a believer in the Bible. And the Bible simply says this. There's only one way in to that upper part. There's a story in the Bible that Jesus talks about with the rich man. And the poor beggar, Lazarus. And they both died. And Lazarus, who had no money, whose body was covered with sores that the dogs licked. So he had a horrendous life on this earth. But he went up to the bosom of Abraham. And Lazarus went down to hell. And there, Abraham and Lazarus looking down on the rich man in hell. And the rich man says, can you let Lazarus... Just dip his finger in some water and just put it on the tip of my tongue because I'm so burning up down here. That's a hundred times worse. And then he said, can you tell my five brothers what it's like down here so they won't come down here? And Abraham said, look, if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to a dead man. Should I be afraid? Should, that's the question. Should I be afraid? And that can get into a whole lot of philosophical mumbo jumbo. You can debate it theologically from now on. Should I be afraid? Because you are going to die. Now, maybe not. Maybe if the rapture comes before this body expires, but I wouldn't count on that because I don't even know what the rapture is. There are three major theories of the tribulation. I don't know which one is right. I really don't. You can argue that all day long. But the probability for the last thousands of years of recorded history is you are going to die. So the question is not, I remember, we're right here in this historic. And right across the street on the corner used to be a drugstore called Yates and Milton. My father used to have a store right across from Yates and Milton, right on that corner, Bronner Brothers. And one day my father was walking into Yates and Milton's drugstore and Mr. Yates asked my daddy. He said, Mr. Bronner, What will happen to Bronner Brothers if you die? And my daddy looked at Mr. Yates and he said, What do you mean if? (laughs) My daddy was telling him, It's not a question of if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. He understood that. He was a young man at the time. I don't even know what I was born at the time. He was a young man. He said, What do you mean if? I am going to die. You are going to die. Should you be afraid? Death is coming for you one day. Should you be afraid? Beatrice was not afraid. Because she knew she was not afraid. And right now I am going to Ask, 
If you're not sure. There's somebody listening to me right now and you've been pondering this question. You've been wondering, should I give my heart and soul and life over to Christ? Because you're going to die. That's one unalterable, unavoidable fact. This body is not going to endure. And for many of us, we have more miles behind us than we do in front of us. You are going to die. Should you be afraid? If you have not accepted Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, you got something to worry about. Many of the people I'm looking at now, you're gray head or no hair. And we've lived a long time. We've seen a lot. And for many of you, even though you're on the other side of 50 or 60, it looks like it was just yesterday you were marching down the aisle of high school. That's it. That's it. Do you know how fast and how fleeting this life goes? In 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, it goes by in a flash. And all of a sudden, you're at the end of your rope and you, it's gone. It's a vapor. It's a mist. Should you be afraid? And I just want to open the altar right now for anyone. And you've been dealing with this question. Wrestling with it. Sometimes there's no better time than right now. There's no better tribute to Beatrice than than right now. And if you have a question in your mind. Because the question is not if you're going to die. It's when. And when you die, the bigger question is where will your eternal soul reside? In the place that's a hundred times better? We're in the place that's a hundred times worse. I had two coverings today that God spoke. First of all, he said, I want you just to wear this t-shirt. And to be honest about it, Dr. Foster, I was a little nervous about this. I said, you want me to go to such a prestigious historical church in a t-shirt? I said, my goodness, you want me to stand before Dr. Foster in a t-shirt? I need a tie. I need to be sure, man. I can't stand for an honorable man like that in a t-shirt. You wear a t-shirt. God God don't care what you dress like. That was one covering. The other covering is, he said, you drive your Tesla. Now, I have a a Model S Tesla. It's kind of unique. It's a convertible. And any of those who know Tesla, well, Tesla doesn't make a convertible. They don't. It's custom. I bought it last year, shipped it out to California. They took almost a year to convert it, shipped it back. It's the only one of its kind in the world. Between the cost of the car, the cost of shipping, the depreciation of keeping it there almost a year, It's a $200,000 car. 
Now, I've never said this publicly to anybody. I've never even told my congregation how much that car costs. It ain't none of their business, but I've never told them. <laughs> so why tell us this now? And I asked God, I said, Lord, why do you want me to drive that? He said, because this represents what Beatrice got now. See, on this side, I'm not sure she had a car. And if it was, it wasn't fancy. But on that side, it's a hundred times better. God doesn't care what kind of car you drive. He doesn't care what kind of clothes you wear. But he does care about your heart and soul. Should you be afraid? I want to remove the fear from someone here today. Because you're not sure. And that is not something I would want to risk. It's too long. Eternity is too long. So if you have a question in your mind and you want to dedicate or rededicate your life and God sometimes he'll do he'll do some phenomenal things just for one. Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda, five porches of seat for, for one person. And I believe that one person is here today. And I believe God is tugging your heart right now to get the fear out. And, and it makes it makes a world of difference. When you can remove the fear of death, you live life far fuller. But you got to know where you're going. And you got to be able to answer that question. Should I be afraid? No, I'm not afraid. I was in, the, in Greece, in the Isle of Patmos, a few years back. I had rented a scooter. I was driving up to the mountains to see where... The Apostle John had written the book of Revelation. I was going around a curve and I felt something yank the bike. Threw me in the street, hit my head, crashed. And I'm laying there in Greece, in the street, on the ground, looking at my blood running down the street. I knew I could die. They bothered me one bit. I said, Lord, if I die here and now, I'm where you told me to be. And if I leave this life, I'm fine with that. There was no fear, no nervousness, no nothing. That's the way you need to live life. Because you know where you're going. And you know who you're with. And if you don't have that assurity right now, I want you to just stand and come down. Don't don't worry about being shamed by me. And maybe that's why he has me up in a t-shirt. Don't worry about being shamed by me. Don't worry about who sees you. Don't worry about what they might say. You got to learn to live your life without concern about what folks say. When I drove up, one of the ushers said, Pastor, that's a sharp car. He said, what your congregation members say about that? I said, I don't care what they say about it. They ain't bought it. (laughs) But also those of you who know me know I drove a smart car for seven years, which was the smallest, one of the cheapest cars in America. And folk would tell me, Pastor Brown, you ain't got no business in that small car. I didn't care what they said about a small car, and I don't care what they say about a big one. <laughs> so those of you right now, and you know that you need to come down, 
and just give your life to Christ. The doors of salvation are open. And I pray that you heed it. It removes fear. It opens the way to eternal life. It prepares you for what is inevitable. And if this is you, and if you feel this tug, don't wait for another day. Should you be afraid? Amen. 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 Beatrice, I love you. And I will see you again. Hopefully in 49 years, two months, and 18 days. But I'm going to be on that side. That's 100 times better. God bless you. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled The Cake, The Call, and The Question. The Eulogy of Beatrice Ingram by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 2007, that's 2007, to listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 2007 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, Go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often, because brother you need the word. From Brothers of the Word.